Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and mom, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, we have got a special treat today, I must say. It's a show that's really different for us because we're going to be talking about classical music which and uh, grief and loss, which is kind of an amazing thing. And I want to say we have got a real renaissance man on the show today. I mean, if you go and look at uh, John Sarkett's uh, website, it's amazing. He's done like 25 books on different topics. He's worked in public relations, marketing, television production, syndication of software, financial industries. But if you look back in his history, he also has a background in music, and attended the American Conservatory in Chicago as a student of piano. So we want to welcome him on his show because he has written two amazing books that we want you to know more about. One is called Bach in Heaven, The Promise of Afterlife, and a second is Death of Classical Music, Making Friends with the Unfriendly. And Heidi, what I learned about this and about different composers and how they have talked about grief and loss forever. He's got philosophers in here. I mean, these wow. are just a treasure trove of books and, and learning. Even if you're not a student of classical music, to learn about these things, I mean, it just really wants to make you dig in and listen to some of the music and the pieces. And he's got some amusing things and philosophy. I mean, it's amazing. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks. Thank you so much. At long last we meet, we've been corresponding by email. It's nice to talk to you both. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on. Now, uh, did you come from a musical family? Not really. Um, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, when I was going to college, I got a flyer in my registration materials that said, sign up for Music 141 to fulfill your humanities requirement. Mm -hmm. So I did. And uh, that's where I encountered Beethoven and sort of got my molecules rearranged. And uh, I've been a fan of classical music ever since. Wow. wow. And you did play piano, though, right? I did. I, I was so uh, immersed in it that I, uh, I took music theory and music history in college in addition to my vocational-type studies. And then upon uh, moving to Chicago, it was uh, uh, an easy access for me to take uh, adult piano at the American Conservatory. I also attended the Allied Arts Series, where all the great pianists came through Orchestra Hall, and he sent uh, concerts by the Chicago Symphony, Lyric Opera, and so forth. So um, it's some 40 years in the concert hall and, and listening to the airwaves. That's amazing. Now, now are you... Um, I want to know what drew you to the idea of looking at death in classical music. Is it just because there's so many people writing about it, or it, it's so rich, or what, what drew you to that topic? Well, there, it is such a... Uh, classical music is such a microcosm of human experience, but truthfully, I didn't really think about it that much until a few years ago, where I was listening to classical radio one day, and a work came on that I had never heard before, and at the end of it, I was uh, I was in my car, and I was straining to hear what the work was and what the composer was, and it turns out it was Symphonia Romantica by Kurt Ederberg. Now, I had never heard the name in 40 years of listening to classical of Kurt Ederberg, and I tracked him down. I did some research, listened to some other of his works, and I got to thinking how many other composers are out there beyond Bach, Beethoven, and Brahms, that, you know, 95% of what we listen to in classical, how many other composers are out there that are worth hearing? 
It turns out Atterberg had a fantastic background. He was very famous in his day, in the earlier 20th century. He was a, a favorite of Toscanini, but then he became obscure. So I started studying obscure composers, obscure composers, wrote a book on the topic, and very closely related to the concept of obscurity, of course, is death. So um, then I got to thinking more and more about death and started becoming more and more aware of death in classical music. And it turns out this is something that many composers have tackled straight on, whereas most of us regular lay people tend to shy away from such a serious topic, mm-hmm. and there is no more. I, I know, had I no idea. Yeah, I was thinking of the healing aspect of it, too. The comp- composers tackled it straight on. So I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just thinking, saying, I was thinking, you know, music is so healing when you've had a trauma or a loss or that kind of thing. And uh, I was thinking that you can really get into, maybe if you want to have a deep feeling of sadness, sometimes you want to do that, or you want to have a more uplifting feeling. I think you can find it in this music, don't you? Oh, yes. Yes, everything's there. Um, um, Even in in the text sometimes of the symphony, I'm thinking of Zemlin. Zemlinsky's lyric symphony, there's a line uh, from the poet, it's a choral symphony, and he's talking about, let it not be death, but a completion. That line really struck me, because, uh, I mean, there is in all of us, and in music itself, the desire to go on, to not end. You want the music Mm -hmm. to keep playing, Mm -hmm. you want Uh, your life to keep going, Right. but yet these things end. So the concept of completion Rather than uh, being stolen from or, you know, cheated out of more life, if you you sort of change your philosophy to uh, life coming to a completion, it's a radical concept. I got that from classical music. You can find most anything somewhere along the line from the various composers. And what I love about your books, Bach in Heaven and the Promise of the Afterlife and the, the death, in classical mu- death in Classical Music, is that you can read quotes by, I mean, you've really put this into perspective in this book, and you also have the wording uh, for some of the music that you uh, talk about in here. Well, let's, here's a piece of music. Talk about Verdi first, and then let's hear the piece that, uh, piece from Verdi. Well, the, the piece that you've picked of, uh to clip here is the Verdi Requiem, the uh, Day of Wrath section from it's one of the most powerful pieces of music uh, from one of the most formidable composers. Uh, Verdi wrote this in memory of a poet, an Italian poet that he greatly admired, Alessandro Manzoni, and uh, it was per- first performed in 1874. And some people uh, ironically or, or humorously call it their favorite Verdi opera. It's so dramatic and so powerful, even though it's not an opera, it's a mass. Uh-huh. Oh, that's interesting. And it be prepared now uh, for our listeners, because it is quite a dramatic piece, isn't it? Yes, exceedingly. It's the dream of the percussion section to play this, and so uh, away we go. Okay.
All right. Well, it's that powerful. Is very powerful. Yes. Very. Mm-hmm. Now, now, tell me again who he wrote that for. Uh, that was in memory of a poet that he greatly admired, Manzoni. So for, it was for a friend. It, it kind of it kind of reminds me, Mom, of what grief feels like when I when I hear that piece, mm-hmm. because it is mm-hmm. so powerful and there's kind of like waves, you know, of emotion. One of the interesting mm-hmm. things I did when I was uh, researching this topic, uh, I, I touched on opera. Opera every every single opera could have probably five volumes written about it and does, but uh, I came to realize of the top twenty five operas. 88% of them, like 22 of the top 25 operas, really significantly about death. Wow. Um, and there are some interesting books out there on the topic, but it sort of gives the audience a, a, a way to interact with the concept, a way to practice dying, to see others dying, a, a familiarization with a process that they they don't encounter every day. So uh, mm-hmm. that wow. was rather a remarkable um, realization on my part. Well, I hadn't John, really also of opera that way before. Right. Also, you know, music and opera taps into a deep emotion. It taps right yeah. into the, the heart and in, into those really deep emotions that we kind of have buried. Indeed, um, and it is a, it is a refuge. For many people go to music to to try to alleviate those feelings, to try to work through them and come through them. Mm-hmm. Um, you've touched on something very interesting. I also came across the writings for the first time of Schopenhauer, who wrote about what he felt the nature of music was, and he said that because music is the only perfectly abstract art form, it's not about people per se, it's not about sculpture or plays or literature or pictures, it's abstract. He thought that it was that made it a, a representation of that which cannot be represented, which in his mind was the ultimate metaphysical world or the spiritual world. And this is where mm-hmm. we kind of cross the line into the you know the real meaning of death. His writings mm-hmm. were ext- extremely uh, influential to Wagner, who when he encountered them, he read them straight through four times in consecutive consecutively, and it shaped a lot of Wagner's uh, work in opera and his thinking about death as well. Well, John, I'm also thinking, you know, it's really hard to express verbally what it means to lose someone that you care about. It's hard to put yeah. that in words, yeah. but but when you hear music and hear the power of it, it kind of transcends the words and kind of captures the experience of, of having a death and losing someone that you really loved. I like the word that you just used, uh, transcend, because... You can start at one level in music. It can provide like, like courage. Like a lot in a lot of operatic plots, when someone dies, the word is courage. Like Marcello says to Rodolfo in La Boheme, "Coraggio" or courage. And then from there you go to comfort. And then I touched on philosophy. But then you come, I think, to the final level of what music can bring here, which is transcendence. Mm-hmm. This is where you get into really an element of faith uh, for um, the, uh, uh, the Christian outlook of which Bach is probably the preeminent example. He was a great man of faith. He had many deaths in his family. Uh, one time he went on his trip, and when he returned home, he learned that his, his wife had died and was already buried for months. Wow. Uh, they, oh didn't have, they, didn't have, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have instant communication in those days. If you went away for a few months, anything could happen, and you had no way of knowing until you came home. So uh, Bach, let's, Handel, let's listen to a Bach piece Handel's right Messiah, now. and so many others. 
Mm-hmm. But then there are also some composers who were not believers, and I, I touch on those in the book. But interest, the yeah, most interesting thing in the thinking book. of Julius, but why don't we, why don't we listen to the, your Bach piece right now? And he's also oh, written okay. this book, Bach in Heaven, The Promise of Afterlife. Do you want to comment on that yes. piece? Yes. Um, the Bach cantatas are a, a little bit lesser known than some of other Bach's works. And one time I got it into my head, and it's always sung in German. I got it into my head. I wonder what they're singing. I got a book of translations, and I found a, a revelation in the text. This, this is, these are white-hot words of faith, almost beyond that of the Bible. And Bach set 300 of these cantatas. I mean, it is just the certainty of the afterlife for the believer in words that I can can hardly even express. So um, what I did then, oh. I, I sort of uh, extracted the ones from there uh, in, in that book that you cited, Bach in Heaven, Promise of Afterlife in the Text of the Cantatas, just the ones yeah. dealing with the afterlife. Yeah, wonderful, and all the wording in there. Well, let's play this piece by Bach right now. I'm going to play it off my computer here. Thank you. Certainly beautiful. My goodness. Yes. And, and what yes. was the, uh, um, that from? What is the name of, of that faith. And uh, may, I, uh, may I comment on uh, an interesting and ironical story I came across in the research for the book? I know oh, that sure. we're sort of running out of time. Go ahead. Yes. Um, we, we touched on the men of faith, Bach, Handel, and Mozart, and so many of the others. Uh, not everybody in the book that I've created, uh, Death in Classical Music, was a person of faith. I'm thinking of Frederick Delius, who wrote the Pagan Requiem. Um, he was really adamantly opposed to all religions, Christian, Muslim, whatever. Um, yet, ironically, it was his final desire to be buried in a churchyard so that people would have a place to come and pay respects to him, remember his music, and that he could uh, uh, be remembered and not made obscure. So... <laughs> 
this, I could tell a, a similar story about uh, Rossini, who wrote uh, his final work. He was a man of opera. He wrote his super, super successful man of opera. He re retired when he was 38 years old. He was so wealthy. One of the last works he wrote was called Le Petit Mass Solennel. And he, and he wrote an inscription at the top of it, and it said, Good God, behold, completed this poor little mass. Is it indeed sacred music, la musique sacrée, that I have just written, or merely some damned music, la sacrée musique? You know well, I was born for comic opera, little science, a little heart, that is all. So may you be blessed and grant me paradise. The point is, whether it's Rossini or Delius or whoever, there's this, there's this desire, hardwired, hard-coded into the human mind, and heart to want to go on, to want to reach out to God, to want to believe, and, and to want to participate in, a, in an eternity. And we've but scratched the surface of the surface here today, and there's so much more in classical music, and I do appreciate your having me on. Well, well John, especially subject. what you're saying, I just wanted to comment on what you're saying, especially when you've had someone die that you love. I mean, I think of my brother dying at 17, and I certainly want to believe that he's in a better place because it brings me great comfort. And when I listened to that Bach song, Words of Faith, earlier, yeah. I felt like it was kind of like in the moment where the fog of grief begins to lift and you begin to yeah. see hope and you begin to see, you know, that you're moving and you're going to have hope again in your life and you're going to continue the bonds with the person that you love and lost, but they're still going to be remain in your life forever. And you're just in a better place. Yes fundamental wish of, of each one of us that we yeah. go on and that mm -hmm. our loved ones go on and that somehow we can meet again. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank Absolutely. you, John. Thank yeah, you. John, thanks so much for being on the show today. And I, I, your books are amazing. I love them. And, and I would say to anybody, I mean, if you just want to sit down and take little pieces out and enjoy this, I mean, if you're a musical person, how fabulous if you do play classical music to be able to go in, but you don't have to. And uh, he's uh, talked got all sorts of wonderful philosophy from the classical musicians. And uh, Where do they find your books, John? I know you've Those got a are, wonderful website. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you could go to sarket.com, S-A-R-K-E-T-T.com, and see everything, and uh, just or just go to Amazon. All right. So Death in, class, uh, in Classical Music and Bach in Heaven. And he's written a lot of other books that are going to give you a lot of advice, too. You're going to be very surprised when you go to John's website. I was very surprised. And thank you so much, John. It's been a total delight. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank Good. you, John. Well, Heidi, uh, as I said, Heidi, it really makes me, particularly I love that Bach piece in this book, Bach in Heaven, uh, the promise of afterlife in the text of the cantatas, uh, just really wonderful books. Well, like you said, Mom, music is such a powerful medium for us to heal and find hope again and to express Absolutely. ourselves in, in different ways. Mm -hmm. And with playlists now, you can make playlists of the ones that you like the most. And, and if you want a more stirring thing and you're feeling a lot of tension about it, you could, you know, play the Verdi and then play the Bach. It, it would be an amazing thing. So we want to thank everybody for listening to our show today. And we always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. 
You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.